0: Welcome back to Disney Marvels for week of May 24th, 2020. This is episode 85, Disney Marvels, the show about Disney, Marvel, Pixar, Fox, the parks, and much, much more. If it has to do with Disney, it's bare Game. I'm your host, Matthew Graken. Want to take a moment? This is Memorial Day week, let's say, in the United States, and um, I want to thank All the soldiers, all the men and women who have served in the armed forces and served our country in various ways, thank you for your service, and we remember those who will not come back or are not with us anymore, and we thank them for their sacrifice and keeping our freedoms free. And also, on a slightly different topic, happy anniversary to Star Wars, this is the anniversary of Star Wars the Star Wars week as it were what that when the film actually came out you got May the 4th which is fantastic but this this is the actual anniversary of a galaxy far far away we'll be back after these brief messages and now on with the show
1: Nah. Uh-uh. There goes Mr. Outrage There goes Mr. Sneer He has no time for friends or fun His ego makes that clear Don't ask him for a favor Cause his nastiness increases No crust of bread for those in need No cheese, for us meases
0: Star Wars came out This time ooh, 30, 40 plus years ago and I thought, well, I should get someone who, who was involved in Star Wars on the show to, to talk about that wonderful franchise. But then the Muppets dropped the bombshell and said, the Muppets now will be coming out. I said, oh, maybe I should get someone who's involved with the Muppets on the show. And I couldn't decide. Or just someone in general who's done some Disney films. And I, I had a dilemma. So I figured... I found someone or actually someone was suggested to me that not only has done Disney stuff but has worked extensively with the Muppets and may have appeared in one, two, maybe even four Star Wars movies. This man also knows where the wax lips are kept in which trousers Mike Quinn, how are you doing?
2: Well, hello. I'm sorry you're stuck with me instead of somebody that uh, you know might have been actually worked on even more stuff. But anyway, you've got me instead, so there we are. Thank you for that wonderful introduction.
0: <laughs> oh, please, my pleasure, my pleasure. And just because of the enormity of this guest that I have on, I brought Matt Leonard in to so
1: Hey.
0: Because if there's people that someone knows more about how to manipulate felt on your hand. It is Matt Leonard,
2: and then he yeah, sometimes place. as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fifty and, uh, ways <laughs> to use your lever.
1: <laughs> Can I just say, I was I was looking over Mike's uh, IMDb page this morning just to kind of remind myself everything, and and it really is just uh, a treasure trove of a career. Just everything that you've worked on. All these projects, just one classic beloved piece of work after another, some very well known, uh, The Great Muppet Caper and Return of the Jedi, and then some that are a little less known, something like uh, 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 Tale of the Bunny Picnic I know you were involved in, and, and Secret Life of Toys, which is very charming pieces that probably don't get as much attention or aren't known as much. So it's it's a real thrill to be able to, to sit here with you and talk you. for a bit yeah, about some of these that, things.
2: That's true. I mean, yeah, IMDb certainly uh, is always wrong. And I'm always trying to update <laughs> and correct things because people in their wisdom try and be helpful and put things up that are wrong. And uh, so it's still it's got a lot of stuff that's missing as well. Uh, especially the the smaller more obscure stuff i mean and there's probably more of that than anything else you know all the commercials and yeah. various random mm. appearances here and there and and uh, that kind of thing but they're lesser known so they're not up there uh, but yeah it, there's just been a lot a lot of uh, big small projects some that get forgotten some that are, are gone in the blink of an eye and never seen again as well so you know that's that's what i guess we do as as uh, performers you know sort of and the the same would go for any other actor and musician and, and uh, uh, writers clowns hey we've got to bring the clowns in so oh, um, send in yeah, the clowns we'll bring those in um but but with that said um you know every project is just as valid as the next yeah. uh, when you're working on it you know you still give your absolute best and work super hard no matter what the project is it's just that some stuff uh, sticks to the wall and some of it slides down and into the gutter and is never seen again and in <laughs> some cases that's probably where it belongs but but uh, you know that's that's the way of it so but well, i'm just lucky enough that there's been some you know large large projects that are, i kind of um, look back uh favorably now over you know with nostalgia and over time uh they you know when, when back in the 80s when we made those films and and, and the, the large projects like that you know they were big at the time and then they sort of fall out of favor and all the new stuff comes along and it just becomes sort of old news but then after it seems like there's almost like a rough, I don't know rough sort of 30 year sort of cycle and everything kind of comes back again and it's it's huge again you know and it has this nostalgia and retro feel and people actually can sort of revisit or see the stuff for the first time or share it with their kids you know from uh, from when they were that age uh, when they first saw it so so it's nice to see stuff kind of coming back again and being re-released in new formats um for everyone to see and and i can appreciate them more so now than i think even then uh with distance you know with space giving it time and seeing it with a a fresh perspective it's like oh my goodness you know what this is actually really good i didn't realize it was as good (laughs) So it's really interesting for me to, to see it with uh, fresh eyes, you know.
0: Oh, indeed. I mean, coming from someone that still shows their kids the 1978 Sesame Street Christmas <laughs> special every year. I know.
2: Wasn't that great? That was so good.
0: Uh, that, it was beautiful. And, um, Carol did such a great job yeah. In, yeah. in that one. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. I mean, I had it on VHS until my until my mother <laughs> um finally <coughs> all right here, here's the dvd copy of it nice. of yeah. <laughs> you, you need to retire that 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 vhs yeah,
2: yeah those are classics that and of course you know i've always loved the emmett otter's Jug band christmas which was from a similar yeah. the year before but a yeah, similar yeah. time and there was a lot of great stuff happening back then. Um, in the, Christmas in the late... toys,
0: another favorite of mine. I've yeah. been having trouble finding that one, but
2: yes, yeah, I think I've seen it on a dual disc with something else. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's really good. It was just such a creative time for for Jim, though, um, for sure, and all the people around him in the in the you know mid to late seventies. Um, and I was lucky enough just to sort of stick my head in at the very end of the golden era of uh, of muppets and and jim and what he was doing you know uh, sort of right at the end of muppet show and into the films and he'd already made the muppet movie but but um you know he was really sort of opening up a lot with braggles and dark crystal and labyrinth and and storyteller and all the new worlds and things he wanted to to do and create and he had so many more projects and ideas that that he wanted to do that never got realized, you know, he was so far ahead of his time and so many projects ahead as well, uh, you know, in, in his, uh, in his minds.
1: Yeah. There are several interviews where he's described as a walking idea machine, that that (laughs) there was just always something. And it took, I mean, even after he passed, there was stuff that they were doing with the characters and, and stuff they were doing that was, He had planted the seeds of and they carried it on and were able to do with it. And if you ever really want a a real sense of what a walking, uh, uh, how many ideas he had, uh, go on YouTube and find the, the pitch film for the Jim Henson hour. Whereas he originally conceived it, it was going to be like a, a whole different show each week. And one week they were going to do like a storyteller thing. And the next week they were going to do a Muppet show thing. And the next week they were going to do like, and, uh, something like, uh, like <coughs> Tale of bunny Bunny, rip Ribbit, Honor. And you just look at it and go, how do, you, how do you fund a project like that? <laughs> you know, it's
2: just, yeah, there's it's, just yes, so it's...
1: much that he wanted to do
2: it's certainly something hard, hard to pitch. And, and yeah. but he did though you know, he, he would, he would get ideas and say, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we did this? And, and c- can we do that? And what about that? And he didn't, I think, I think he was just so open to, to uh, just, you know, that blank sheet of paper, and not, not at that point in yeah. time thinking about, okay, what's the budget, you know, can we do this? Uh, you know, is there an audience for it? He would just sort of start, I think, from a point of view of What's entertaining and what's fun, and what would I like to see, and yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know what 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 made him giggle as well quite often, uh, you know what what uh, what world did he want to immerse himself in and, and create, and that's sort of how he thought. I think you know he was he was more sort of a, 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 I guess a, a broad big picture uh, um, kind of guy, and uh, you know um, and also uh, Jim was definitely about experimenting with new characters as well you know let's not forget that and that's something that he he would always try with uh, his even on muppet show he'd introduce new characters and some would work and some wouldn't some would need right. developing but they develop nonetheless others would fall by the wayside and you know had he uh lived i certainly think we would have seen a lot more new muppet characters around just because that was sort of he was always looking forward, always looking ahead um, and expanding and seeing what hadn't been done yet. So I, I, I think that is one of the, the things that, that, that were, is missed for, from Jim not being around. is just the, not just the new worlds, but also the new characters within those worlds, the new relationships and, and that kind of thing. And ideas that, uh, that he, he put forward. But um, he was also very good at bouncing off of um, the people around him. He had a very good creative team around. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a core group, people like uh, Jerry Jewell and, and all the performers and some yes. of the builders. And, you know, and, and they just kind of all gelled together, um, which was a beautiful thing to see. The... Every now and then, I, I, you know, I, I've witnessed um, where I've been sort of the assistant puppeteer to both Jim and Frank. I remember <laughs> one time... There was shooting. It was early '80s. Um, <clears throat> I think it was after Dark Crystal, some So it might have been '83, two, three, something like that. We were shooting some uh, uh, wraparounds, some in- links and inserts for Muppet Home Videos, which was basically a couple of Muppets uh, uh, linking certain old Muppet Show clips. So it was kind of a clip yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. yeah, video. Uh, so we had Ralph Rhapsodies and Scooters. Or, tales or whatever, And, and um, then there was another one that where Kermit and Fozzie were in the attic going through old Muppet Show props. And, hey, you remember this when this happened? And then they would segue into a clip, you know. So I would be brought in uh, to assist them, basically. It was Jim and Frank, sometimes Richard Hunt and myself and a, a couple of uh, one or two people from Muppet Workshop. And that was it. And Jerry Jewell, who was literally um, on the floor writing this stuff on the spot, basically. <laughs> Uh, with them, you know, uh, like five minutes. Oh, what can we do here? How, and then they'd sort of come up with an idea and write it. And then they'd perform it, you know. And I just, you know, to, to be in that core environment um, when they were all still at their peak, absolutely. You know, the puppets were beautiful. The performers were in tip-top form. Uh, you know, this was, this was the cutting edge of, of Muppets right there, the, 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 the inner core, really. And every now and then, they would get the giggles, something, they'd be doing something silly with, like, I remember so well, we were doing the, the attic uh, uh, wraparounds, and Frank had Fozzie on, Jim had Kermit, Jerry Jaw was there, and they'd come up with something that just tickled them to no end, and they, were, they just all started giggling, uh, they all had tears running down their faces, you know, <laughs> and it was just such a lovely thing to, to see, this pure joy of, of enjoying the moment of what they do playing you know just playing and it had nothing to do with you know oh we have to be out by six o'clock because you know that's what the studios pay for or or uh, you know we must must be serious and press on it's just it was all part of the process of uh, of what made muppets muppets really i think um and uh, you don't really see that elsewhere necessarily um people often don't understand that that is actually part of of the process and and the character development and the the fun and ideas can come out of that stuff too. When people are playing and bantering back and forth, Oh, that's a good idea. Let's use that. That's a funny line, you know, things like that. So, so to witness that uh, is something very, very special.
0: Oh, indeed. And I always say that if the performers are having fun and enjoying themselves, it really does come across the screen. The the, the audience yeah, the audience recognizes that and it just pulls them in that much more. Yeah. I mean if you know you're watching a movie or something and the car- you know those performers are either they're, they don't want to be with each other, they don't, you know, they're just there for the paycheck, whatever the reason is.
1: There, there are clips, there are very clear Muppet Show clips that you can watch and you can just see how much fun, and, and you know, Sesame Street too, <laughs> you can just see the performers just yeah. loving it and, and enjoying it. And it, it really, really comes through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I wanna, and I also want to thank you very much for mentioning Jerry Jewell because I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for... How wonderful the Muppets are! I'm always glad when when I hear people yeah. mention him and give him give him the credit he really deserves.
2: Absolutely, he was a he I, was I, a you know a core
1: part a core part of the
2: team. You know him and Frank and and Jim mm-hmm. and and uh, you know a few of John Don Celine and a few of the others were all key, absolutely key to mm-hmm. uh, making that company what it was uh, for sure. Yeah, Jerry was a lovely man.
1: I always feel like there's there's a Venn if you did a, a Venn diagram of really heartwarming humane you know, showing all the, the really humanitarian side of the Muppets and the really heartwarming stuff they did and all the stuff that Jerry Jewell wrote it's it's a pretty huge overlap he really brought a humanity to it that is it was really unique I think to him. And uh, I, I think it was a sensibility that Jim had shared yeah. and, and Jerry Jewell was mm-hmm. able to, to carry that forward. And it gives you something like Fraggle Rock, you know.
2: Well, that's right. Yeah, he was head writer on that.
1: Um, yeah.
2: As well as, uh, you know, a uh, key in, in Muppet Show stuff. And, yeah. and uh, what was great about Jerry that I witnessed anyway was, um, I mean, you know, he loved the written word anyway. He loved to read. He loved to write. And he loved silliness. Um, and, but so, so he was, you know, he was the the king of, uh, classic Muppet puns, you know, he would, yeah. he would, he would be able to just rattle that stuff off, no problem. But then also he was, he, would, he was able to go deeper and do things like, um, Muppet Christmas Carol and honor the yeah. Charles Dickens original as much as he possibly could. And it was a, you know, beautiful, beautifully written film. I mean, it was an amazing, uh, screenplay that, that, uh, Jerry had come up with. <clears throat> so so uh, you know, Jerry was 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 actually super super talented, and and you know he was a one off for sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We um, Matt and I actually did a review <laughs> show not that long ago of um, of the Muppet Christmas Carol, both oh. stating how wonderful the the script, the the pro- production level, the script, everything of that. It's one of the more truer uh adaptations film adaptations yeah, yeah. of of it where they bring in actual quotes from the the novelization
2: right. and, and one of the few times where the ghost of christmas past is actually a girl you know uh yeah. so they kept all that stuff yeah wonderful
0: yeah. yeah back on episode 67 um yeah that that was uh yeah we actually <laughs> impromptu did it in length and timing to the, the movie <laughs>
1: <laughs> had the movie running we, in the background as we're, we're wow. recording it we, we might have talked about the movie longer than the movie lasted yes <laughs> I won't yeah. admit to that but uh, it might have happened <laughs> but uh, just
0: <laughs> but again how much heart how much depth you were able to get from the Muppet characters having Gonzo as Charles Dickens and Rizzo there by his side kind of just doing yeah. kind of like as the, the interpreter for the, yeah. for the younger audience or just kind of keep the, the younger audience entertained with the levity.
1: The comic relief. The comic yeah. sidekick. Yeah, <laughs> and, um,
0: yeah, it's yeah, so good. Some of the songs out of that are just beautiful.
2: Yeah, that was actually Paul Williams, I think, first uh, big thing um, after his, his uh, break, you know, uh, from when he was, I guess, sorting out his own stuff. Um, so that was kind of a big deal for him. You know, of course, he'd done the Muppet movie, Emmett Otter and, and a Muppet Show and all these other things of his own projects. But so uh, but he, he kind of had some things that he had to take care of. And, and this, I think, was the first I want to say it was like 94, maybe when we three or four, when we went in and, and uh, did the uh, song records. Yeah, I'm singing on the album there as well. I have a few one liners as well as chorus stuff in there. So um, it was nice to see Paul again uh, in, in that environment. And, and the, you know, a lot of the lyrics in the songs are, uh, uh, I think, quite
1: personal to Paul Williams as well. So
0: mm.
1: Yeah, Bless Us All. Yeah. The, the song yeah. that Tiny Tim does. Yeah, beautiful song. Yeah.
2: So there's a lot of stuff there that was, I think, where his head was at at the time, I believe. And he kind of even sort of commented on that. When we were recording it, so <laughs> yeah, I've got the demos somewhere on cassette, his original demos. Ooh. Oh, wow! Yeah. yeah,
0: the um, I guess before we get too much further into this, uh, let's cover on how did you get into it because I, I love the story of how you got involved with knowing these people and, and started with the
1: uh, the Muppet group.
0: Oh gosh, yeah. Let's see. Um,
2: How did I get? I'm hearing a whooshing sound at the back. What is that?
1: Sorry, that's that's. I'm in my basement, so that's my my water boiler. I apologize. (laughs)
2: That's all right. Okay. Uh, Let's see. So how did I get it? Yeah, I mean basically I was a Muppet fan. I, I I always had puppets as a kid, and I enjoyed puppet shows. Grew up watching old '50s puppet films on TV and glove puppets, marionettes, old black and white stuff uh punch and Judy shows uh, you know live punch and Judy shows at the beach that was a very uh, british thing of course mm-hmm. so um uh, so i was always into puppets and did a few little puppet shows myself i had a little glove puppet show i would i did when i was about eight or nine something like that um And uh, and then I was kind of into into animation cartoons, though, also quite heavily at the time. So I was obsessing about Disney and drawing lots of cartoons and that kind of thing. So so had Muppets not come along, I probably would have gone down that path of illustration, animation, cartoons and that kind of thing. Um, But uh, when Muppet Show hit in 1976, it hit big in the UK right off the bat. And so uh, I was, what, a 12, something like that, 13. So uh, I became obsessed right away and wanted to know how these things were, were built, how they were moving. And there wasn't much information back in, in the uh, you know, late 70s uh, at all. There was no internet, of course. And just a few photos uh, came out of how they worked them and that kind of thing. So I would spend uh, my uh, pocket money and buy materials and try to figure out how to make these puppets and, and uh, even took uh, sewing in, in school uh, so I could actually make pup- <coughs> puppets on school time, <clears throat> excuse me, and, uh, which was quite good. So for the last two years of school, I was able to, to make puppets <laughs> at school as well as at home, which was rather clever. <clears throat> but anyway, um, and then uh, uh, I first met the main Muppet front Five performers uh, in, I think it was 1977. They hadn't quite started the second season of Muppet <clears throat> Show yet. Um, but they were appearing at a London radio station for an hour guesting, you know. So uh, on the, it was on the Kenny Everett show. I don't know if Americans know who Kenny Everett is, but um, some I of you may. He, he was seen in the, uh, the uh, that, uh, what was the Freddie Mercury film uh, that came out? What was that called? Uh, um, you know, the one. Oh, in Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Yeah. So Rhapsody?
0: There's,
2: a, <clears throat> there's a scene in that film where Freddie Mercury goes to Capitol Radio and, his, and Kenny Everett says, look, I'm going to play your song. No one else will. I'll put it on the air. I'll, I'll help you with it. And that was, there was, it was an actor playing him because the guy had long passed. But, but anyway, that was the, the guy. So he had Muppets on his Saturday radio show. And I intercepted them in the uh, lobby and got their autograph. So that was the first time I met Jim and Frank. Then about a year or two later, um, uh, they, they released the Muppet movie. Uh, and so I obtained tickets from Lou Gray's office. Uh, again, with my pocket money uh, for the Royal World premiere at uh, the Leicester Square Theatre in London. I went to the premiere of The Muppet Movie. So I uh, met a few more of them then again. And then in the last year of school, during '80, um, they were filming, they were taping the last season of The Muppet Show. And uh, I was able to bribe my way into the studio on a regular basis and watch them take Muppet shows. I'd usually go on guest star days. Uh, about every other week or so. Um, so I'd see people like Diana Ross and Marty Feldman and Gene Kelly and Linda Ronstadt. And yeah, the list goes on. Uh, mm-hmm. Linda Carter, she was the first one I went and saw. And um, so they got to know me at, at the uh, you know, Muppet show, both the performers and Jim as well as the Muppet builders. Um, so when they finished the Muppet show in the summer of 1980, it was also the time that I'd finished school. And I basically asked Jim for a job. <laughs> and uh, I think he—he he, what I'd heard years later was he'd—he'd he'd, uh, I'd been hanging around, you know, so much anyway that he might as well just give me a job, you know. So, <laughs> so I started on the Great Muppet Caper uh, uh, across the street at uh, L Street Studios, across from where they did the Muppet Show. And uh, it was like August, I think, of 1980. So it will almost be 40 years ago now. Um mm-hmm. And they just kind of took me on as a, a sort of a, an assistant background puppeteer, and, and um, I guess they just never stopped using me. So you know, still working <laughs> Muppets to this day, uh, forty years on, it's quite, it's quite. Uh, you know, who who can see that far ahead? I mean, nobody can. You know, you can't even see five years ahead, but forty is just insane.
0: So I don't even know what I'm having <laughs> for dinner.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think it's lasagna, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you, do you remember, like, the first thing you did for Muppets, the first scene or the first, the first character you got to perform?
2: Absolutely. It was the, uh, the Happiness Hotel bus on the Great Muppet Cape outside the oh. front of Elstree Studios. The, the admin <laughs> block was doubling as the, the exterior for the Dubonnet Club, okay. <laughs> uh, where Kermit and Piggy were, uh, were doing their, their uh, supper club scene. Um, and so the Happiness Hotel bus pulls up outside and stops and I was working the Swedish chef leaning out of the, one of the windows. Uh, that oh. was the, my very first night. And oh, then so. the, I think the second night we were driving around. We we're, um, you remember Barriga's little yellow taxi, his little cab.
0: Yeah.
2: It was either the, the second night or the Friday night, I forget. But, but, um, they had, uh, they were doing wide shots of the, of the vehicles driving around London. And there's a shot where um, uh, Beauregard drives the taxi past Harrods, the, the, the big famous story in Knightsbridge in London. And so that was because I had two versions of the car. There was the puppeteer sort of close-up shell of the car, and then there was the stunt version of the car. Um, so there was a, a stuntman wearing a Beauregard mask uh, driving this taxi round, round the block in London during, just after rush hour. And in the back, I had Kermit and Gonzo, one on each hand, uh, and was working uh, Kermit and Gonzo uh, for, the, for the wide shots. So when you see that, that in the wide shots going around London at night, that was me in the back working those two characters. And, of course, can you imagine, you know, the, the rest of the traffic was real traffic. So imagine driving past those guys and saying, oh, there's uh, Kermit and Gonzo in the back of that little taxi there, and it's being driven by a guard. Um guard. So, so that was one of the, yeah, it's either the Tuesday or the Friday now. And then the other three nights of the week, uh, that was first week, were night shoots where we were at the uh, Nebworth House, uh, which was the exterior of the Mallory Gallery, where they're trying to break in and climb the drain pipes yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So that was my first week on Muppets. <laughs> could,
1: so, so were you part of the group that had to climb the drain pipes? And could you yes. talk about that? Because it's only in the last year or two <laughs> I've learned about how that was made. And that's yeah, quite a yeah. story.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we went back into, you know later on and did did the uh, close-ups um, and you can of course you can see the real bad uh, match in the in the film when you watch it what what was actually the the exterior uh, shot uh, at Nebworth House and then the uh, the close-ups of uh, of the Muppets actually climbing the drain pipe um, and they tried to sort of match the sh- shots together but of course it didn't really match but you know who cares but. Um, so, yeah, I was helping Richard Hunt with Beaker, so I think Richard was doing the, uh, the, the head and I was doing Beaker's hands and, and feet, you know, and we were on the, in these sort of horizontal uh, death traps, this uh, platform uh, lay, laying down there, all on, you know, what, one stack after the other, and it was on this, I guess, a hydraulic system, and uh, we'd, we'd literally go up these, this drain pipe in the studio and back down and up and down, and it was kind of scary, but fun at the same time. So yeah, I was helping Biko uh, in that stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think Dave Galls has said it's like the most terrified he's ever been doing Muppets. That he he was pretty convinced that Jim was going to get everybody killed doing that uh, that one effect. I, I can
2: believe that. I can believe that. Although there have been many other more dangerous things. <laughs> to me, I didn't really think of it as being dangerous. I just thought it was kind of cool and fun, uh, and we we didn't die. So, uh, but. Uh, yeah, amazing stuff. Really crazy. Crazy rigs. All the things they, they did in that film. Insane.
0: And that, that was coming from David, who, who Gonzo always ends up in some interesting situations in general. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I was just picturing in my head, you know, the the, the the regular passerby who does not realize that they're on a movie set seeing this taxi with Beauregard driving it a, a full-size Beauregard, and then you had <clears throat> um, Kermit and Gonzo in the back, and, and the, the the little girl turned to its mother, Mommy, was that a bear in the back of the, the car? <laughs> no, 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 dear. Bears wear hats. That's a frog. <laughs> yeah, that's a frog.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's wild. Uh, good times, though. So, I mean, you know, I was lucky in that I got to... Uh, you know, work alongside and, and next to both Jim and Frank and all those guys. And, uh, you know, that was where you learned that stuff back then. There weren't any schools. There was nowhere to go to learn muppetry and film TV puppetry because it was still kind of a new thing, really. So, I, you know, I was lucky that I learned all, all the groundwork of, of what I, I'm still using to this day in that first couple of years, really, on the first, let's say, three movies, really. So,
0: was there a particular performer or somebody that established muppeteer um, that maybe uh, took you under their wing and kind of guided you along and showed you some tricks? Um,
2: yeah, to I mean, to a point, Jim did that. He would always sort of like to choose me to assist him with Kermit or Ralph, or you know, he'd he'd sort of bring me along to, to events and things like that. So he was definitely trying to to nurture me, um, you know, at that young age. Um, and it was usually Jim who decided who worked what. So Jim gave me my first speaking role, and, and you know let me work uh, one of the Skeksis and that kind of thing in Dark Crystal. But also uh, Richard Hunt was very good with new people. He would sort of try and um, you know tell people uh, the, what 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 tricks to use or how to how to get uh, high enough or how to get your head out or, or what kind of you know how to how to make stuff look good uh, techniques and that kind of thing. He was even good enough to. To make sure I was being paid enough on on the next movie, it's like how much are they paying you? Oh, that's ridiculous. That's not enough. And he'd go storming up to the office, and the next paycheck would be doubled. You know, so uh, that was Richard. That Richard was, was always very good uh, with uh, with with the new kids and stuff, and, and just helping people basically. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'd say that that that's that's what happened.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm glad to hear you mention him too, because he's another one that I don't think gets enough uh, enough focus or enough <laughs> doesn't get the spotlight on him nearly enough. And, and what it's, a talent he was! It's great. He really
2: was. He was so you know, relatively young too, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was quite a force of nature. I mean, you know, he was very loud, very vocal, very boisterous, very uh, extrovert, and uh, could be intimidating if you if you you know were, were intimidated by that kind of thing. But um, he was, uh, you know, an important part of that dynamic that made up that magical team. You know, each one was, each performer was so polarized from the next, uh, just as all the good characters were as well. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. lines, like with a good character, uh, dialogue can't really be interchangeable so much, you know, because it's Mm -hmm. like, well, this character wouldn't say it this way, or he might not even say this at all. So... So that's when you know you have good characters and good dialogue. And certainly I see all the the original Muppet performers as being very, very uh, distinctive and individual. And, uh, you know, there's no way in hell that anybody would ever have met in the, in the real world uh, and maybe even or even thought of each other as wanting to get along together uh, had it not been for Jim and the Muppets. But But here he is, just like, in the Muppet movie, where he gathers up all these, where Kermit gathers all these crazies uh, along the way uh, and takes them to Hollywood. You know, Jim Jim is a bit like that, I think, with all his team, with his his performers and his builders and writers and and uh, camera people and all you know all that kind of thing and designers, illustrators. So there's that scene in the Muppet movie where Kermit is uh, talking to himself in the desert. Yeah. He has that moment. Mm. It's like, you know, oh, gosh, what have I done? You know, I brought all these people along with me and and, uh, and now I'm responsible for them. Yeah. And when I see that, I just see Jim uh, in his real life, basically. You know, it's like, gosh, now, you know, I think Jim did feel quite a responsibility and a burden to keep people employed and to, uh, uh, you know, he, he sort of created this monster that he now had to keep feeding, you know, I, th- yeah. I think there was a bit of a burden on him uh, to, to a certain extent, uh, so it's quite telling to me.
1: And he kind of and he kind of mirrors that speech a little bit. He, he the other <clears throat> side of that coin is in the the Muppets Take Manhattan, where he kind of turns on the characters and he flips out on him. He says, "You know, why can't you guys take care of yourselves?" You know, so, yeah, it, there's a bit yeah. in
2: a way in that. And when Jim passed, that was pretty much what we all realize is like, oh, we, we are going to have to take care of ourselves now. And how do we do this? And can we do this? You know? Um, yeah, it's a bit bit of foreshadowing there. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I personally, uh, I'm a huge fan of Jim. I'm a huge fan of um, Walt Disney himself.
2: Yeah, yeah. Of and course. just
0: see a lot of parallels between the two of them and how. Again, handpicking who works with them. Yeah, definitely. Jim was
2: very hands-on, pun intended.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, just these two idea people that just come up with these crazy ideas. And it was, well, I don't care how we do it. This is this is the point i want to get to and we just need to figure it Mm, out because no one else has ever done anything like that before
2: yeah just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean you shouldn't do it and if anything that is a good reason to do it so uh, yeah yeah. (laughs) just try
0: to keep pushing pushing the medium that they worked in
2: or the extra Um, large
0: yeah (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean to to think back that you work with just such incredible people and, and as matt keeps bringing up i think a lot most people most regular people they they know jim of course they know jim henson they, they they know frank oz and then there's this other ragtag group that that worked with them that they just unfortunately don't know who these other amazing performers were um that unfortunately we, we've lost a, a lot of them yeah, and... that's true.
2: Yeah, utility troop uh, performers in a way. I mean, that's sort of how I see myself uh, with Muppets. Is I'm I'm sort of a utility guy. Um, and there's a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what's I guess what what n- makes me unique in a way is that I've I'm sort of one of the few that's been around the longest. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: and I, as far as I know, I think I'm the only puppeteer to have assisted all three uh kermit puppeteers as well i think so but i can jump oh, yeah. into a character and double you know for the principal characters when they're in both in the same shot together and things like that um which is a really hard thing to do because you sort of have to mimic their timings and and their hand positions and and all that sort of thing so it's 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 not something very many people can do uh, but as well as you know fill in with one-liners and, and, and pigs, chickens, rats, penguins, and other characters whatever. as well. So whatever. a few whatevers. Uh, so, um, so, yeah, but there are, you know, there's, there's a few of us in the UK. A, there are a few in the northeast of uh, uh, the States and uh, uh, also some more in California and some in, um, uh, in uh, uh, Toronto and Ontario and, and Canada. So, uh, you know, you sort of created all these little groups of people uh that they could sort of call upon wherever whichever country they happen to be shooting in basically
0: yeah yeah um not that i ever want to leave the muppets but i do want to move on to another little franchise that you got yourself involved in um
1: blue harvest horror beyond imagination
0: oh i was (laughs) gonna bring up the (laughs) horror Horror, the
1: horrors blue harvest horror beyond imagination I thought that's what we were going to talk about next.
0: It wasn't about a, uh, a boy and his dog.
1: No, it's not about a boy and his dog.
0: That was a few episodes ago.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. No, no. I want to take us to uh, leave Earth and go to the galaxy far, far away, and um, you work with Lucas. Yeah.
2: Um.
0: How how did you end up? You know, going from you know working with the the puppets and with Jim to running into George and getting involved in that whole mess as it were.
2: Yeah, that was very easy in a way and very natural and logical. In fact, um, well, first of all, Jim and, and George, you know, had a relationship with each other. They knew each other, they'd worked together, you know, Jim had Jim and his guys that had helped Frank and, and, and Stuart and Wendy and all that create Yoda and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, also, of course they had Star Wars guys on the Muppet show. So So Jim and George already knew each other, Um, and we had just finished The Dark Crystal at Elstree in 81, and the very next picture to come in at the very beginning of 82 into the same studio was uh, Return of the Jedi. So uh, basically animatronics were a new thing. Uh, You know, Dark Crystal pretty much uh, sort of raised the bar and almost invented that whole genre in a way. And so we were already uh, trained up to work animatronics and creatures. And they they knew they were going to have a lot of them in Return of the Jedi. Uh, So uh, they basically just commandeered a a whole bunch of us uh, creature performers um, uh, onto the next movie. And I never ever auditioned for anything. I remember I had a 10, 10, 15 minute chat with uh, Robert Watts in his office uh but that was kind of it um and then I was suddenly I first of January second of January or whatever I was um uh on Return of the Jedi as a as a puppeteer um and I didn't really know what I'd be doing at that time I don't think they did either but uh, they paired me up with Tim Rose again Tim and I had worked together of course on Muppet Caper and, and Dark Crystal Tim was also a Skeksis so uh, I was assisting Tim with Salacious Crumb and uh, Admiral Akbar, And then I got to work a few other things. So the first thing we did was Jabba's Palace. And, uh, and then later on, uh, somehow I got to do Baby Ewoks. And of and, uh, course, Frank uh, pulled me in for, to assist with Yoda, um, which was great because I was a huge Yoda fan from Empire. Mm, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I guess because I, I was small, my hand was small, and... <laughs> Uh, you know, the set was tiny, and Frank knew my work from assisting him with Fozzie Bear. It was essentially the same kind of a job, working the right hand, basically, the live right hand. So it was just the same as, as what I'd helped him with Fozzie do. So, um, so he asked me to, to work with uh, Yoda, so I got to do that as well. And then, of course, uh, accidentally later on, uh, Nine Numb came about, um, which was pure by chance. Uh, but I never auditioned for anything, which is crazy.
0: That's insane, but that it, you, you just never know where these opportunities are going to come from or how they're going to no, end up.
2: He does, that's true.
0: So next time I'm watching uh, Jedi, I'll make sure to watch the right hand a little more closely of Yoda and see what it's go. up to. <laughs> oh, he's see if it's holding any rubber
2: chickens. And pulling the sheets over him, and yeah. It was good. Yeah, we rehearsed that for several days, and Frank Plotted and planned it all out very meticulously, you know, like like Yoda was an actual uh, actor, you know, rather than a, a puppet. So we, we, we knew exactly what we were doing when we came to set, basically. So we could cover it all again and again from all the different angles. Um, yeah, it's good.
0: That's fantastic. Um, so Nainam, the, a very interesting character that um, seems to have got a lot of like fan popularity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What is it with a character like that? Well, I mean, particularly yes, in Star Wars it happens a lot. <clears throat> Muppets you see it too a little and I think in a lot of franchises where you just have these background characters, these tertiary mm. characters who for whatever reason Yeah. the audience connects with them in this in this fervent way. Yeah, I think it's a series of steps. I mean, with him it's it was
2: I think it was somewhat accidental it wasn't really planned, you know, um, no. I think the first step was uh, literally just the design I mean he was very appealing to look at, very unique and fun and different, very simple in many ways too, but and not so not so creaturey in some ways he's a he's a bit more human than a lot of the actual Star Wars creatures yeah. to me uh, But he has that visual appeal right off the bat because he's got that sort of big, wide, innocent eye look, you know, so uh, he kind of looks cool right off the bat. You know, There, yeah. And he he was sculpted by Dave Carson at ILM. And uh, initially he was just a background pull-on mask that had no movement, no articulation. And uh, an extra wore him initially uh, for the scenes where you see him with legs. And that was what they shot first. But then, um, yeah, I, th- I would say we were March or April, something like that, I'm not sure. Um, but I was hanging around in Phil Tippett's workshop, uh, annoying him and playing with all the puppets and creatures uh, when I should have been, I guess, going home or something. And, uh, and I was looking at the Nine-Num mask, and, and Phil Tippett told me uh, that uh, George had pulled him out of the, the background and wanted him to be Lando's co-pilot in some upcoming scenes, but he had dialogue and there's no movement on the mask. It's just a mask. Uh, and they were they weren't sure how they were going to figure that out and were they going to have to cover the mouth up with something because it didn't move. And, and so I said, well, look, you know, if I put my hand inside, I can, it, I can work the mouth like a puppet and he can talk. Um, and he said, Oh, that's a really interesting idea. So he said, do you want to mock that up and, and sort of make up a little sort of mock up, uh, puppet version with with one because there were two masks basically uh you know duplicate so he said take one of them and 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 fit it out and make a little sort of upper body and and uh, we'll show it to george so i said sure like so a week later we actually did a little film test uh with me working the hand puppet uh, modified uh, nine num mask and then the other extra wearing the his the other one and he shot us next to each other uh, directing us to look around and react and speak and all that kind of thing and uh and i suggested at that time oh look you can uh, you could put eye blinks and make him blink and you could wiggle his ears and, and all that kind of thing and uh george loved it all and they said great let's go with that uh sent sent the mask uh back to uh, california back to ilm to be mechanized and about two weeks later or so we were filming on it and somehow i'd gotten the job of uh working him as well uh <laughs> Uh, just by being there and i guess helping and, and making it work somehow so so I suppose in some ways I can take a bit of credit for for uh, him not having his face covered up with with oxygen masks and all kinds of things uh, and actually having his face be working and, and, and uh, visible uh, as well as his um, you know the, the, the sort of quirky little moves and nods and laughs that he had in the falcon were essentially you know muppet sort of techniques the poses you know the very yeah. the cleaner sort of animation poses rather than just everything moving all the time so so that all came from muppets and essentially you know nine in the cockpit is really uh, just a very large muppet in some ways just a little bit less cartoony uh, but but nevertheless that's essentially where he came from so he's always been a very sort of Clean, uh, it's almost anti creature, uh, creature in a way to me, um, Mm -hmm. and the opposite of what you'd expect a Star Wars creature to be. And even in the new films, I approach him in that way. I try to keep everything very, very specific, very posy, very clean, you know. So, like, he's looking here now, and this is what he's thinking, and now he's looking there, and now this is what he's thinking, or more like an animation uh, uh, approach, I suppose, which is sort of when. When a good Muppet is is really uh, communicating well visually, it is very anima- very much like animation. It's, it's, it's very clean uh, visually. So that was my approach to him. And I think that's why he's different to everyone else. Uh, mm. Although th- all these different things are why he's different to, to other characters, I think. You know, one is the sculpt. Perhaps one is is the fact that he was a, a Muppet, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, and the, the approaches to it all... Uh, and then, the, you know, the writing, what he got to do in the films and that kind of stuff. So, And the, yeah, and the extended universe where they put him in comics and books and, and gave him a backstory and yeah. all that kind of thing. And the, you know, mm-hmm. the toys as well. So uh, I think all these different things just, just sort of created this critical mass that, that created this wonderful little guy that everybody, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people really seem to like. So including me, you know, I love the guy. So. Uh.
0: Uh- I was just showing Matt before as you were talking about him. I held up my uh, little Nangnam uh, action figure that I got in the the 90s. I think this is the 90s version. Ah, uh, yeah. That uh, was a
2: good one. Yeah, a lot more detailed. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, um, yeah. So, who came up with the the language that he is speaking? Is that something the writers came up with? Is that just something George said? Just come up with something for him to articulate non English?
2: um yeah uh, in the original script um they knew he was going to speak alien it wasn't going to be english and the script just said nine numb chatters and then lando had his had his reactions. so in the script the pages they gave me he didn't have any dialogue it was just it just said nine numb you know chatted and then lando has his actual dialogue uh so and i remember thinking i, I can't just make stupid stuff up on set you know it needs to be consistent and it needs to be real and i need to say something so knowing that you know all the stuff we put down on set is all temporary dialogue anyway it's always especially with the creatures always replaced yeah i think even frank had to revoice yoda for once the edit was done to get all the everything the same you know and matching so and they do that a lot a lot with the actors sometimes when needed as well uh, plus, you get clumps from the set, you know, the wooden sets that aren't supposed to be wooden, and all sorts of weird echoes and stuff. So, so I knew that whatever I said was going to be replaced anyway. So I just thought, well, you know, La- what Lando say, says says makes sense. So, so Nine Num is obviously saying he's saying proper stuff, and and it's, to me, it's clear he's saying this and he's saying that. So I penciled into my script. This was literally the morning of the shoot. I penciled in my script what I felt he was saying. And George Lucas actually directed those uh, scenes in the cockpit. They were running a bit behind. So Richard Marquand was uh, on stage five, I think it was, directing the Rancor pit scenes. And George was directing the, 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 the cockpit stuff. So, so I just asked George, I just showed him the script and said, can I have nine say these things in English? Because it'll make sense uh, and it'll help you know, Billy D and everything. And he just, like, just looked at it, looked it over and said, yeah, sure, that's fine. So there we go. So I just laid down all my dialogue in English. Um, and then it went to Ben Burt. And I had a chat with Ben Burt a few years ago about this. Um, you know, the sound designer. And uh, and he said, Yeah, I could tell even with the sound off visually, looking at, at what you did with Nine Num, what his intent was and whether he was excited or happy or concerned or whatever. So he said I knew visually, you know, what, what I needed to do. Um, uh, But they had a a Kenyan uh, intern at uh, Skywalker uh, Ranch, I think. Um, And so Ben pulled him in and got him to do some uh, uh, just some various sentences and and words and laughter. And and so he's actually speaking a dialect of of Kenyan. Um, Okay. And that's so, so, uh, he was really big in Kenya, apparently. What uh, <laughs> uh, uh, hopes they,
0: they looked up what he was saying?
2: Yeah. Well, they, they yeah, some of the things he's saying was a bit weird, apparently, but, but Lupita, uh, of course was, uh, from Kenya. So she, she knew, uh, Nine Numb and was a fan of his and, and knew exactly what he was saying too, um, from the new movies. So, um. Uh, and they got, they, they, they tracked him down like a, a month or so before the release of uh, uh, The Force Awakens and found, found, uh, it was Kip Sang uh, was the name of the guy, Kip Sang Rotish. And they found him and he recorded new stuff for The Force Awakens and got him to do a line for The Rise of Skywalker. And he recorded a bunch of stuff for The Rise of the Resistance ride at Disney, which uh, we did as well. Uh, so it's been the same guy uh, the whole time doing the voice for him. And and uh and of course me in the in the new movie, so it's really nice it's really lovely to have that continuity I, I haven't met him yet but i really really want to i hope they can bring him over for something like um uh celebration you know and we can yeah. have a little oh, thing together fun. meet meet for the first time on stage or something it would be really cool wouldn't it
0: in in some ways that's kind of strange to think that you are one of the same character and you you've never actually gone to to meet that gentleman that that voices your your work yeah he's a teacher
2: in, in kenya basically so he has a, a you know job there uh, a, a real life basically and then they just kind of pull him out once in a while for a few uh, sentences here and there
0: so but nice. it will happen yeah one day one day this will happen so you weren't on the set trying to make billy d crack up at at any point with some just off the wall comments well you <laughs> make take the parking brake off <laughs>
2: yeah no, i mean now i i would i'd be much more inclined to, to do that and that would probably be my default but at that time i was like 17 and uh it's you know this was a big deal oh i'm in the falcon oh there's lando oh there's george lucas oh we have a few hours to you know we have a day day and a half whatever to shoot this thing and uh the puppet's really heavy and i can't screw up and oh my goodness i'm in this big giant close up so the last thing the i wanted to do was make it harder for for, for billy d anyway of course uh, you know he had a lot on his plate to uh, to to handle as it is um so i don't think i really we did sort of joke around in between takes you know the two of us uh, and, and chatted and stuff um when they were resetting cameras and repositioning stuff for different scenes so uh, we'd do that but once once um once we we're up there you know we didn't really rehearse much anyway. And film was rolling, so, uh, you know, and film is expensive. So there wasn't really a lot of opportunities um, during, during uh, when I had the puppet on because, uh, A, the puppet was so heavy, uh, I, you know, I had to save all my energy for the real takes anyway. And Phil Tippett had to lower him in through the cockpit window onto me. Uh, I was flat on my back in the, uh, uh, you know, where that, that's in Chewie's old seat. So they had to cut the base of the seat out so I could get low enough. And I had a little monitor um, so I could see what the cameras were doing. And that was it, really. So there wasn't really a lot of time or energy for Tom Fulwry during the actual takes. But uh, with that said, nowadays, there might be a different story. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now everything's still digital. You, you, know, you don't have to worry about the cost of film as much. Just the cost of a oh, hard drive. The,
2: the new movies are, are, are have all been shot on film, of course, pretty much. So, you know.
0: Well, that was that was smart. Um, yeah. There there is a difference. And uh, that that had been something going originally working with George, and now dealing with uh, JJ and uh, the the ones that, that worked with them to direct and work those movies. Yeah. Um, that, that had been quite a different experience to to very different uh, directors, but kind of the same vision of trying to to get tell the story
2: yeah i mean um certainly with with ryan and jj um they they they're very good um they're both very good people uh persons you know so so they like i go back to people like robert zemeckis on roger rabbit they're, they're just very good all-rounders. I mean, they're, they're great with the actors. They're great with the crew. They're great with the uh, special effects guys. You know, they're, they're sort of an uh, everyman kind of director. So um, they're all you know, very personable, um, very hands-on, very approachable, which is very important to me. So yes. uh, I really enjoyed uh, – I worked obviously with JJ a lot more. Uh, than than ryan but um uh, yeah i really enjoyed uh their energies on set a lot uh, and had a lot of respect uh there aren't you know that there, there really aren't many people on the planet that could even that wouldn't crumble after the first hour on a set but trying to direct a movie like that never mind you know the whole film it's it takes superhuman powers let's just say <laughs>
0: oh, yeah I, I can't the the scope of of vision and yeah, the amount of details that you have to keep in order. To, yeah, the responsibility to get such of the,
2: you know keeping trying to keep on schedule, trying to, to, to do the uh, you know the the script, scripts as well. They were constantly you know writing on stuff and and uh, uh, pivot and uh, when 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 they need to make changes, weather's gone wrong or something breaks or whatever. It's just like uh, you know, yeah. Insane, insane. So I have so much respect uh, for those guys. They're super, super smart. And and uh, yeah, it's really, really great to, to be around those people and watch watch how they craft a shot, how they build a shot, how they, you know, like watching JJ sort of position actors and trying them in different c- configurations and spaces. And Oh, no, no, you go, come back over here. Oh, no, go back to where you are. That was better, but that's but right. And he'll sort of craft the shot. Um, and just keep massaging it until it's like, okay, that's the take. We got it moving on, you know. Really interesting.
0: Yeah, uh, that's something else. Um, it, you brought yeah. it up, and I might as well use it as a natural transition. You brought up Zemeckis in one of my personal favorite movies, um, Roger Rabbit. Yes. <laughs> Could you tell me about your, your time on that? Only if you say, please, please, Mikey. <laughs> <please." laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so uh,
2: essentially, yeah. I mean, that was when did we filmed that. I think it was 87, 88, something like that when, yeah. we, when we shot it. Um, uh, also at Elstree Studios. Strange. Uh, but, <laughs> Very so, popular so place. Dave Barclay was the sort of chief puppeteer. He was uh, brought in by, uh, through um, George Gibbs, who was head of uh, uh, visual effects, special effects, visual effects, I think it was. And, uh, he won the Oscar for, for best visual effects that year. So us as puppeteers were sort of under him, we were a part of his department, sort of his secret sauce in a way, I think. So, so Dave Barkley was brought in as, as, the, uh, head puppeteer. And then they brought me in as sort of the main hand puppeteer. So, uh, apart from doing various rods and, and pulling, uh, d- strings and d- various devices, um, Anytime that hands, actual physical hands, were being needed for stuff, then that would be my hand. So often, like when the um, there's there's some weasels. There's one that catches the record in his mouth. Uh, that's mm-hmm. my hand with the weasel drawn over the top. And there's another weasel that has a, a bar of soap in his mouth, blowing bubbles. That's also my hand, uh, puppeteering as though it's a weasel. Um, and then uh, when in the close up, when Roger's uh, under. Uh, Bob Hoskins' uh, coat, Eddie Valiant's coat, those, those are my hands under there wriggling around. And
0: when <laughs> you Roger's really
2: got jumping and up on... close and
0: personal with Bob there, didn't
2: oh, oh yeah, you have to. And then uh, when Roger's jumping up and down on the bed, I'm underneath pulling the various uh, foot, footsteps of Roger's uh, uh, feet on the bed. So just all that kind of thing. Yeah, as puppeteers.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, that movie in itself, uh, It just the amount of different techniques that they had to do yeah. to get all that to to work um yeah again it wasn't a matter of well it's never done before so we can't do it it well it hasn't been done before let's you know let's figure this out because it for me like i said it's one of my favorite movies of all time it just came out to be something amazingly beautiful of such a marriage of many different type of mediums um uh, puppetry, animation, live action.
2: Yeah, um, it, it was super hard. I mean, you know, we, we, there came a point where we had um, a 24-hour filming going on, you know, so like when we came to the Acme Factory, that was all location uh, in London. And so uh, we'd have a 12 hour day crew and a 12 hour night crew. And we'd, we'd have, a you know, two teams of puppeteers and we'd just hand off and, and keep going, you know, but, but for, for Bob Zemeckis to be able to, to keep his, his head around all, all the aspects and, and, uh, you know, Spielberg, uh, breathing down his neck saying, come on, you need to hurry up, you know, Warner brothers and all this sort of stuff. So, um, uh, it was a hard, a hard, very hard shoot, I think, in many ways. But but wow, what an amazing thing! And it was sort of at this tar- transitional time where we, they weren't quite doing CG yet, but there were some of the, the tune things were rendered in post production at ILM, and some of the things were practical uh, from us. So um, they were just sort of at that that turning point, I think. It was that that magical time where we were still pretty much doing everything practical. Um, and they'd, they'd re, um, reconfigured these old uh, VistaVision cameras uh, from uh, Gone with the Wind. Uh, and that's mm. what uh, they, 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 because they had a, a double-sized negative, uh, I think they called it Lazy 8. So it was an 8 per- perforation negative instead of 4, which meant that the uh, image was twice as large for all the processing. <clears throat> so you'd have less grain when they, when they squished everything back together again before computers. They, they, everything I think um, was still going through their optical printer, which was this big long. You've probably seen pictures of it. Big long uh, yeah. device yeah. with lots of lenses and goodness knows what. Um, so, so that was the, So yeah, everything, everything, was shot on, on VistaVision essentially, <laughs> um, with adapted uh, Gone with the Wind cameras and uh, on, uh, filmed on um, quite often on tracks uh, that uh, were, were computerized, so they could reproduce the camera movement. With and without the actors in it. So they had everything. You know, the, 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 the whole movie exists. Without anybody in it. Uh, but with all the backgrounds as well.
0: <laughs> yeah I think in one of the. Um, one of the behind the scene footage. Things that. Uh, somebody mentioned that there is a whole. Production film. Of, done film of the movie. Without any of the animation. And yeah. you just have these giant prop puppets.
2: Yeah <laughs> or, exactly. Or you know,
0: Bob looking at nothing. And yeah, reacting yeah. in just, he was such a physical <gasps> actor in, in what he could do. And to think of, and not, not to talk poorly about anybody, that the, the option was Eddie Murphy.
2: <laughs> All right, interesting, yeah, yeah.
0: That, uh yeah, Eddie yeah, Murphy just recently came out saying that he had turned that role down just because he couldn't wrap his head around how this would yeah. have been done. Yeah,
1: uh-huh, um, yeah. And if you watch, there's there's footage of uh, like the scenes of Bob Hoskins in Toontown without any animation, just him in front of a green screen doing all this stuff. It's like it's so groundbreaking as an actor to sort of just act against absolutely nothing. nothing. Some of the pantomime that he's got to do,
0: opening uh, doors,
1: yeah, 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 moving
0: things, interacting with a car that doesn't exist.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was, he was
2: lovely, very, I mean, yeah, great actor, very clever, um, but he knew exactly what he was doing, and he was, the thing is, uh, watching Bob work, uh, Bob Hoskins' work, uh, you, could, you could see he was, act- he was actually very smart, even though he often played sort of, you know, not-so-smart guys sometimes. Yeah, But, yeah. but in reality, he, Bob Hoskins was there because he was super clever, super smart, and he was able to do all these things and was a very fast thinker, very bright, very clever. So and lovely, he was a lovely guy.
0: Yeah, that's a, I yeah, I just I would have been missed if I did, did not bring up that movie with you.
2: Oh, OK. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> um, as I mentioned earlier, and I think I saw you mention on, on Facebook. What do you or what can you talk about, if anything, Muppets now?
2: Oh, yeah. I don't know what I'm I mean, I'm I'm just imagining I probably shouldn't preempt too much because they haven't put out much about it yet. And there's probably they probably don't want to because it's not till the end of July. You know, they don't want to get people whipped up into a frenzy too soon, I would imagine. No. So so I I will, I will not divulge too much other than. um that uh and i don't know what i haven't seen the finished thing either but we did a lot of episodes and they had a lot of guest stars in there and uh, different uh, different segments um and it was just very silly fun there's there's a lot of stuff uh, that we we did um and it was just just nice you know just sort of looser old looser old school sort of muppets having fun being muppets kind of thing you know Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, I I guess I, I only know from my experiences being on set, like I said, I haven't seen any of the finished stuff, but, but, uh, I think it's a really good step in, in, in the next direction of, of, uh, of where Muppets can go, basically. Obviously things have been put on hold a bit now with everything, uh, but, uh, that doesn't mean we're not going to get there, uh, when we, when we can. So, so it was a very all the performers were very happy. I mean, it was, it was a good, a a good, uh, several bounds forward, I think for Muppets, in my opinion. Um, and I think it will be fun. I hope people like it.
0: I, I know I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I posted on the show's Facebook page about how this show, um, when they announced the, the air date and the reaction, um, was just, overjoyed from everybody Um uh, yeah I mean, over, yeah i would say at this point that post has been seen maybe more than eight thousand times
1: yeah exactly um, yeah, so nice.
0: it, it's it's and,
1: and everything that i've heard has been basically kind of what you said mike like i can't talk I, i've seen uh, interviews with both bill beretta and dave goals in the last few weeks where they yeah. both kind of said i can't talk about it Oh we had so much fun doing Yeah
2: and, and uh, Kirk cutbatcher as well he directed some of that stuff too of course yeah, yeah. so I uh, know he did did some interviews recently too. So um you know yeah there there are other things beyond this that they're planning and and I'm sure stuff that's larger and grander than what this is but um I think this is the perfect thing for for right now for Muppets and for for, for fans um you know yeah there'll be a, it won't be the final destination but I think it's it's a really great uh, Step forward um, before we get into some other stuff uh, later on, you know. So yeah, and no, I'm really pleased. I'm looking forward to it. Good family stuff too, you know.
0: Oh, good. good. I, I, I'm so ex- looking for anything new with the Muppets. I always look forward to. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I do yeah, yeah. get sometimes a little leery on on, on some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, with, with with reason, but uh, when those shorts started coming up online. Uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, Go <laughs> yeah. to Joy, uh, Popcorn, all those different little uh, little vignettes that um, that's right. <laughs> you guys were doing, basically in their closets or wherever. But it just it brought back the soul and the heart of of what the Muppet should be. It just we're doing this for the reason because it is fun, and there's there's not we're not trying to make serious. We're not trying to change the world. With a a, a stand or a statement of whatever, we yeah, want you but, to just kind of have fun for this yeah. period of time and get lost. And, it,
2: and you know, we did we did the uh, a few years ago. We did the uh, Muppets live at the Hollywood Bowl, and then Muppets live at the O2 in London. Uh, similar shows, but they were each like a two-hour show, live Muppet show essentially. And it was exactly that. You had the Muppet show theme. We were doing classic Muppet songs. We were doing silly sketches. Uh, you know, and it was just classic. You, know, you had the Doctor Teeth Band, and yeah, yeah, it was just yeah. classic fun Muppets. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I wish that you all could have sat in the audience and seen those shows live. Yeah. Uh, but oh, but that sort to. of points the way, the direction in which you know I, I assume that the Muppets are going. I would imagine.
1: You just reminded me, Mike. Can I, were you involved in the in the live performance that the Electric Mayhem did a few years ago?
2: Yeah, so the, uh, we did the Golden Gate Park. Um, oh my
1: lands. God, that was the most amazing thing. I, I saw the live stream of it and I thought, yeah. this is such next level stuff. I've never seen the characters done this way before. That was so exciting to watch the band.
2: It was crazy for us. Move around because, the stage you know, like that. It was, yeah,
1: it was you like, guys I don't did know a fantastic job things. on that. And I, can't, I can't congratulate you guys enough. It was and, crazy. What, uh, you know, well, first of all, how do you work a Muppet for half an
2: hour without dying? So there was that real <laughs> problem. Uh, but, uh, um, and fall secondly, off. you know, do, will, will a, a, a young, uh, sort of, uh, audience care about seeing, seeing these Muppets necessary. You know, we were warm up for third eye blind, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and we, so, so it was, a, it was a, a set, a set list. And, um, you know, we obviously rehearsed it and everything, and and uh, 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 but but it was. I think it was the first. I mean, Jim always wanted to do Muppet. He wanted to do a lot of live shows and Broadway yeah. and 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 that kind of thing. He was always interested in that. So I know he would have been behind it anyway. But but I think when when we were doing it, when we were about to do it. I don't think any of us were really sure how well we'd be received or if anybody would really care that much. Um, So, but as, as we started, people started flooding from the other stages. I mean, I think they, I don't know what the real real number was, but they, they kicked around something like 65,000 people. That seems like a lot to me, but, but they all came towards us and they knew the songs and we could hear the audience singing along with us. Uh, And, and then when we finished the set, you know, they wanted more, they wanted more. And of course we weren't, we, had, we weren't allowed to do any more. We hadn't rehearsed anymore. And, you know, we had to keep to a schedule. So, so, but it was really quite, I think we are all quite moved uh, ourselves, all of us uh, by, by how amazing this experience was being on a rock stage, you know, on, on the main stage basically uh, with all these uh, people. So, so yeah, I think we got to feel what it was like to be a rock star for a few minutes. Uh, it was incredible. Um, and that's what led to doing the uh, the uh, O2, the, uh, the Hollywood Bowl shows and the O2 shows, in fact. That was sort of the precursor uh, for that because it had gone down so well. Then uh, they expanded it into these other live shows, uh, which were absolutely crazy and amazing.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, I, Roughly, I wish I could I, have. Uh, roughly how many guys, puppeteers, was it to, to do that uh, the electric mayhem thing?
2: Yeah, they had one uh, principal puppeteer uh, for, let's see, Animal took two, uh, Dr. Teeth took two, and, I, yeah, and yeah. Lips took two. I was helping Steve with Lips. And then I think the, there was, in fact, I think each, each character had a, an assistant puppeteer, actually, come to think of it now. Yeah, Floyd was
1: and roughly Janice. Roughly so. two on each?
2: Yeah, I think that's okay. correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right had to backtrack and think about that for a minute, but that's what we ended up doing because of the guitars and
1: stuff. And, and Man, I don't know if you ever saw how they did this, but they did them, they had Floyd, Janice, Zoot, and Lips were, like, full-bodied. Yeah. Wow. And then they, they sort of, the puppeteers were all in black. Correct. And it was yeah. it was almost like Boon Rock Who. And so yeah. you could actually have, like, Floyd would play the bass and, like, walk across the stage. And it yeah. was, it's the most amazing thing. At one point, Janice and Floyd are, go back to back, <clears throat> and are playing back to back and like kick their legs in the air, and it's yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable.
0: Wow, that um, was a lot of fun. We'll have to look this up,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I, I maybe I've I seen clips of it years ago, and it's just not coming to mind. I mean, the closest, unfortunately, that I've ever come seeing Muppets live was actually seeing uh John Tatargea and his uh troop, Johnny and the Sprites live. So it's him, Tim Lagos, oh. and um, uh, oh, Leslie, yeah,
2: great, yeah, oh, great, wow, what a, what a great uh, team, yeah, Tim and Leslie yeah
0: nice and uh yeah my daughter was a big fan of that show and I, i'm a big supporter of john um oh yeah uh, yeah
2: john's great
0: um so i got to talk to him after the show a bit and uh through Matt, we brought up some uh some names and he you know reminisce of you know sesame street days
2: absolutely and john's doing gobo now of course in the new panel yeah. uh, segment yes so and the writing and producing and performing so so yeah how about that amazing
0: um so sadly i i have not gone to experience the the muppets in person um but it definitely a dream of mine to one day be able to to experience the the madness of the muppets just in, in all their wonder and awe because I, yeah. I i I'll have to look these things up i'm sure there's videos out there the o2 and um
2: yeah but, um there, there are videos of that in the bowl and also i think uh, yeah outside lands is, is the the first one we were talking about at, at golden gate find Park, that and watch it matt because it's amazing
1: and I, think handy, I was yeah I always thought it was odd, because they did uh, they did Muppets Live at the Hollywood Bowl, and I thought, okay. And then they did mm-hmm. Muppets Take the O2, and I just yeah. thought it was a natural progression. The next thing that they would do live would go to New York and title the show. That's what we show. were hoping.
2: Yeah, we were wanting that as well, and then maybe tour a few major cities it, around the world. Take um, it, yeah, it, it to
1: New York so and happen. give it the obvious title, Muppets Take Manhattan. Uh,
2: Manhattan, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you
0: <laughs> go. <laughs> well it's live yeah. in manhattan just to, so you don't have yeah. the computer
2: but yeah. yeah never never say never and i mm. might have been just a logistical and financial thing because of course the, the puppeteers also had you know sesame that they had to do and and right. um and goodness knows what else so so it's it's possible that I, I think it was i think it was uh talked about and it was a hope that okay logically yeah uh, New York or whatever might be the the, the uh, next obvious place to go, and and it was it was a hope, and who knows, you know maybe another iteration of that could still happen for sure.
0: But Who's I, got I think Edgar's it was phone just, number?
2: <laughs> exactly yeah, it, his his wife, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I think it was probably just logistical, and it, it's not a cheap show to put on either, of course. Right, right. So, and do you spend those energies doing that, or do you put those energies into doing? Uh, you know, things like Muppets Now and, yeah, and, yeah. and of course, you know, we did the portal ads as well, the Facebook portal ads at the same, pretty much the same time last year, uh, which were really, I, I don't know if you saw those. those. Yeah, those were really sweet, actually. Very, very yeah. nice uh, bits with, uh, and we did Rainbow Connection as well for the Christmas commercial. So mm-hmm. always nice, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, where do you, I guess there's there's a finite amount of, of energy and time and money and where do you put that i suppose
0: yeah yeah um but well hopefully one day because no project ever stays you know no bad idea goes away at disney so hopefully it's you know something that you know maybe like you said muppets now progress to whatever the next step is yeah and keeping the muppets or bringing the muppets more to a a forefront um because i just yeah the Muppet Baby, New Muppet Baby series has been doing really well for them. has yes, not it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which just, it just goes to show you, people love the Muppets when they're done. Let the Muppets be the Muppets.
2: Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. and give the public, uh, you know, what they want, I guess, and uh, and then some, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
2: you know, certainly one never wants to just pander, because uh, it's, it's, otherwise it would be like giving children sweets when. You know, that might be what they want, but they could actually use some, some broccoli and some, some greens and stuff. So, so uh, you know, it's always nice to, 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 to go beyond what, what people uh, think they want, um, for sure, and to experiment and try new stuff. So as long as that, that, you know, that can still happen, then there's still growth. You know what I mean? Uh, there should always be growth, always forward motion. And that's something I think Jim was always interested in doing. Uh, not necessarily looking back or staying static, but but like I mentioned at the beginning of this, new characters, new worlds, new new mm-hmm. ideas. So, uh, so by all means, give the audience what they want, but also, I think, move forward and, uh, and experiment, you know? Take chances, right? That's what yeah. we have to do in life. That's how we find the good stuff, isn't it?
0: Well, absolutely. You, you, like you said, you, you don't take the risk. There's no reward. I mean, not yeah. everyone's going to succeed and you know become this brilliant idea but you know yeah fail failed
2: failed forward as we say right
0: yes yes indeed (laughs) speaking of very much
2: a muppet thing in itself really you know they failed forward (laughs) Uh, so why not why not the rest of us learn from that a little bit
0: (laughs) because yeah the muppet show didn't happen by accident there there was lots of trials that led up to it
2: yeah.
0: yes yeah you know, and again it was like i said jim just kept pushing that envelope of okay we did this let's go for this so okay, yeah. we did yeah, that they now. Made let's go for of, that
2: yeah they, yeah they made two pilots and and um uh, kermit wasn't the MC at the beginning and uh, they they couldn't sell the show to the any of the networks in the states so that's why he had to come to the uk and then eventually Made Kermit the MC, and then they sort of found their way. Miss Piggy wasn't Miss Piggy at the beginning. Fozzie was a little weirder at the, you know, at the top there, and then it evolved, you know. It, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, it's not yeah, an I, overnight thing at all.
0: I do miss the Swedish Chef with the Japanese subtitles. <laughs> ah yes.
2: Well, I'm sure we could do something for you, especially if you like. So.
0: <laughs> And I, I have to thank this man over here, Matt, for, for bringing me on to that, because um, before <laughs> I even got the DVD, was able to get the DVD set, he, he told me about what the pilot episode was. Oh, yeah, yeah. That does you know, predate my my memories. Yeah, a long time ago, yeah. And uh, I, was, I was able to, to see it and just absolutely loved the, the, the chaos and just ideas that just you know how did you think why would you even think of doing that <laughs> and um yeah finding the original I, one of the original pitch reels that they did um with the the muppet talking oh we're going to do this and we're going to do, and just going absolutely insane and it, <laughs> it just and that's what i love about the, the muppets it's just this i don't me as a mere mortal cannot necessarily comprehend as as creative as sometimes i get and matt could attest to some of the crazy things that i've done but we this is a family show so we won't get (laughs) it
1: well i think there's i i saw something with uh Hmm. frank oz did a thing recently um in honor of the 30th anniversary of jim's passing and i think one of the things he said there was Jim kind of loved going insane. You know, he could do a character like Rolf and Kermit, who was really sweet and he enjoyed doing that, but taking care to like Dr. Teeth or Swedish chef or just something that he could just really push himself and be the other end of that spectrum. was Yeah. Was convincing John. Really sum- yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he yes. Just
2: Jim loved that. He loved to relish it. Um, relished it. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he loved even like the, you know, we mentioned the tale of the bunny picnic uh, earlier. Um, you know, he performed the uh, the dog, dog puppet in there, and he would just love. He just he loved dogs anyway. It seemed Jim always <laughs> about dogs. But but when he was working that dog, he would he would just he just enjoyed being there, being being a kid working this dog puppet. He was just in his absolute element. It was such a joy mm. to see. You know, it really was. Uh, yeah. So so that, that's absolutely true.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was Jim's idea, and, and it holds so true. It's like, well, how do you end this scene without ruining it? Well, you just blow it up. Blow it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how do you end something? Well, just
2: blow it up. And end up with explosions and throw puppets in the air and uh, and it's yeah, the end. So, <laughs> or everybody,
0: yeah. It reminds me of, uh, just going back to Walt Disney, of um, how Goofy got his name. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that story of how, Walt would say, "Okay, and just do something goofy." Well, they they had Dippy Dog, and I, I think the animators didn't care for the name, and mm. they'd say, "Oh, you so you want Goofy in this?" And they would start drawing Dippy Dog. No, 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 I don't want him in this. I, I want you to do something goofy. So yeah. it was the animators were running a uh, doing a running gag on Walt Disney. Um, yeah. <laughs> Disney always saying, "Do something goofy," and that's how Goofy <laughs> actually ended up with his name. Uh, but uh, brilliant. Mike, with with everything you've done um <laughs> let me let me ask you a big question what's okay. been one, one of your favorite projects that you've worked on so far
2: mm, um usually it's the last thing i've worked on because you know it's freshest and and i'm still reeling from the joy of it all so it's a really hard one to 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 answer um some yeah it is it is a bit like you know asking to name your favourite child, I suppose. Um, I have lots of different favourites for different reasons, uh, in different categories. Uh, so, uh, not to, not to cop out or anything like that. No, no. But um, you know, I, I enjoy being a part of of these epic uh, space operas. You know, being being a little tiny part of that and being around that is is amazing. Is amazing. But also, I enjoy when I can create one of my own characters. And uh, just have fun with that as well and have that be an alter ego of mine. So um, there's a character I'm going to rebuild at some point, I think, soon uh, that that I worked in the late 80s, early 90s that I I enjoyed a lot. All that stuff's gone. It was sort of disposable TV back in the day, satellite Mm -hmm. TV but I'll rebuild him, I think, and bring him back. And I have some other ideas for new characters. And I expect when I do that, that will be my favorite uh, project of the, of the time, you know. It's usually the thing I'm working on at the time or the most recent thing I've done more often than not. It's a strange thing, but, but I suppose if I'm being honest, that would be my answer.
0: No, that's that's a good answer. That, that it's completely acceptable, and I I get that. It's because you know. Well, what's your favorite episode you've done? Uh, it's the one I'm currently working on. Is always yeah the one that just got me the most. Also,
2: I, f- I forget stuff too, and that's half the problem. <laughs> and I remember 15 years later, it's like, oh, I forgot I did that. Yeah, you know. So there's a lot are of you that. You sure as I was well. involved in that one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And people are telling me, no, look, here you are. And It's like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, so or I get things mixed up in the wrong order and that kind of thing. It's funny how, how the memory falls you over time. You know, we're talking about 40 years, so,
0: yeah. Yeah, like I said, I, I you know, barely remember what I'm going to have, you know, had for breakfast and, you know, so uh, trying to remember all that type of stuff. If you could take one of your characters to a yeah. pub, you know, just have a nice night out, you know, not, not like a date, but just like a, just, um, chatting as an old friend with one of your characters at a pub, who would it be? <laughs> we we <laughs> asked the hard hitting questions here at Disney Marvel's
2: <laughs> at a pub. Who would it be? A character, uh
0: like Any, on my uh, hand
2: or if he was like a real self-contained character or
0: it, well, i guess if it was a, like it's a, yeah self-contained if the you know the, the, the puppet just popped up to life and was sitting there Any, anyone that you've had your hand in or on
1: because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be some real interesting conversation <laughs> i
2: think that would be uh i think i'd have the most fun and be the most irritating and the most annoying if it was my uh, diddly squat alien character uh, because he is he is really out there and uh, obnoxious and uh, opinionated and gets things completely wrong a lot of the time and a bit weird and not everybody gets him. Uh, but yeah, he would be a, he would be fun, all right. I mean, give it, put a few drinks in him. I think I think it would be okay. <laughs> so, uh, but he's he's sort of the the opposite end of me in many ways. He, he's he's sort of the the uh, uh, sillier louder ruder version of me he can say things that i can't say so sure the pub why not might end up in a bar fight but it'll be totally worth it as long as it's captured it on video <laughs> so, so, so
0: there you YouTube, go T uh, M Z you know let you know let it out <laughs> yeah
2: exactly exactly totally worth it
0: <laughs> so um you had a question Matt, that you wanted to ask Did him I? about the project that he's working on
1: Oh, yeah, well, has because uh, uh, you weren't you uh, at one point working on a, a book or a, a autobiography? Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: it's, it's actually, yeah, it's sort of evolved a lot um, since since it, it started. Um, right now, um, my current hold up is uh, I've got a whole new bunch of pictures uh, from my past that are in California and I'm in the UK at the moment. Uh. So so I, I sort of have to wait until i can get back there and, and excavate them all and uh employ them in the book so but otherwise yeah i just keep adding to it basically and it's like and I, yeah the more the more time i can give it the better it gets anyway um so you know i'm not one to half ass things so uh, but it's, it's evolved quite a bit um in a good way though i think actually and also now originally it was i want my original planned release was for much earlier but that was also before um Skywalker would have been uh, released and and Rise of the Resistance ride right, and stuff. So so now I can talk about all that stuff in the book as well and put a kind of a nice bow on 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 nine num and on the Star Wars stuff. You know, it's nice. definitely the end of that sort of chapter not to say there wouldn't be anything else in the future of course, but that that is I like that. So in a way the any delays that have come up I think have been really really positive uh in big picture things anyway. It's fun though and and uh you know I keep finding I keep remembering things that that I didn't think were in there. So so that uh, yeah I keep the the half the half the book is writing it and the other half is really editing. So knowing you know, making sure I don't repeat myself and uh making sure that I don't repeat myself. And that was a joke by the way. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, not a very good one. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, editing, editing is, 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 a big thing. Things have to make sense and I've got to make sure I have the right cadence and tonal balance in there. Uh, initially I did a poll, like, what do people want to see? Do they, what do they want to read about? Do they want to read about, uh, just the career stuff itself or do they want to read about all the stuff underneath that, that sort of led me to there? And, and two to one, the answer was, yeah, they want kind of everything. So, uh, that's what I'm writing
0: Let it all out. We'll we'll have to. Well,
2: maybe not all. Um, (laughs) Well, maybe just ninety-five percent of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, keep some, you know, some bits to yourself.
2: Yes. Yeah, some stuff's boring. So.
0: (laughs) But you reminded me. I wanted to bring up um, Rise of the Resistance. You know, now that you're part of a a, a, now one of the biggest and most innovative uh, Disney attractions out there. Madness. Yeah. Um, have you gotten to write it yet?
2: No, I haven't yet, actually. I was about to head on out when all this stuff came up. So, um, yeah, I just, I'll have to wait.
0: Uh. <laughs> we, we'll we get back to you on that one. Because yeah. I had a follow-up question if you had a preference of the blue or the green milk.
2: And, oh, indeed, yes. Uh, well, probably n- no milk at all. I mean, I'd go for the rum, I think. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've cause... heard
0: it is better with the rum. Space rum. Yes.
2: space rum would be good uh celestine's from the spice mines yeah, spice rum. <laughs> but um yeah so i didn't i got to ride the uh the i was there on opening day at disneyland for the uh for the uh uh park and uh, i got to ride the falcon on the first night oh neat um,
0: oh so nice yeah i, I, I did, did watch... that part yeah, I watched that. It was good. It was good to see Harrison, Billy D, uh, all, uh, George up there.
2: It was lovely, yeah. And I got to to say hi to Billy D again and meet some of his family I hadn't met before, and and uh, saw Harrison again and shook his hand and he was he mumbled at me, you know. It was nice. <laughs> so uh, it has, as Harrison uh, does as harrison does so it was good but but because the rise of the resistance hadn't opened yet so i didn't get to to do that but soon i'm sure i don't know if it'll be this year or next but uh, i'll i'll get on there a bunch of times and and it'll be quite a, a weird surreal experience i think uh, also i mean you know it's a disney ride i mean for goodness sake you know how cool is that
0: yeah that, that's uh, um you no, uh, um gun james gunn um so one of the things he's always wanted to do was a, a disney attraction and whenever they finally offered him um the one in disneyland and now also now one in epcot yeah he's just like a a, a little child again to, you know to to have this dream offered to him you know, basically was,
2: yeah absolutely i totally get that um it's crazy i mean what a wonderful wonderful thing yeah I can't wait.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll probably cry. You know, I always cry. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no shame in that, especially at, at, in Disney World. It, it's it's That's tears true. of joy.
2: It will be, yeah. No, I, I it, it will be. Uh, I'll, I'll be a bit. I think I'll be overwhelmed. So, um,
0: and you also now have a new website that you have up and working or, or working yeah, on. Yeah, basically I just joined so, your mailing we, list.
2: Yeah. Oh, good. Yes. Just sort of um I, I sort of abandoned websites for a, a decade or so but uh, then i realized i actually need just a little hub to send everybody to that can then splinter off um so it's just the beginnings of stuff right now there's a it's very simple front page that's got uh, either a you can just sign up for news a newsletter thing um or b i think there's a button that takes you off to my uh uh puppetry academy and mm-hmm. then the third thing is uh I'll see if I'm to follow what I'm saying. It would be to, to take you off to an autograph uh, sales page um, as well. So, so, and then I'll add other stuff that might sort of take people to social media or, or to a bunch of video playlists of things. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll sort of expand on that as we move forward, I think. But um, that's sort of the idea behind it.
0: it, it it's beautifully laid out. and um, I'm looking forward to it as it evolves and grows. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, trying uh, to keep
2: it simple and, and not, not yeah, it's so easy to complicate things. And because I do everything myself, I have to sort of step back and think, oh, hang on, is this actually working? Is this what people want? Uh, you know, so I, I always, uh, things are always liquid, aren't they, right? Fluid and just got to reassess I, and, and uh, you know. So, yeah, it's good. I, though. I, 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 I do everything is. myself.
0: Well, it looks great. Um, it looks great yeah, so far. You. So, you know, cheers to that. Um. Finally, thank you again for that little video tribute that you did for Jim, uh, that oh, you gosh, po- post yeah. on, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, oh, good. You know, hearing your thoughts and then hearing just hearing Jim's voice after all this time. Isn't I mean, that crazy? I, I remember exactly where I was when yeah. I I found out um, that he had passed away. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, all these years ago, and it's um. You know, like you said, to hear the voice and just him jumping from character to character like that was um, was brilliant. So, so thank you for uh, oh, good, for sharing yeah, thank that you. with
2: everyone. Yeah, that's the first time I'd ever put that up there. But uh, I also have one of Frank Oz and one of Jerry Nelson and Steve Whitmire and Louise Gold and the, I think the Richard Hunt one I'd put up a few years ago. So yeah, I've I've
1: heard your one. I've heard your Richard Hunt one.
2: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That was the only other one I'd put up so far. So I have a few others. Uh, I guess I'll trickle them out at some point <laughs> due to popular <laughs> demand.
0: Hey, well, that was that was some forward thinking on on your part to be able to not just to do, do an audio <laughs> autograph, as you you coined the phrase, um, versus just a, a, a you know pen to paper or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, just really capturing the that moment in time. Um, Definitely.
2: So. Yeah, I was 15, so uh, yeah crazy yeah well i i guess at that age you just think well whatever i'm just gonna do it there's no fear <laughs> right
0: you know, when you're 15 yeah no, so um thank you is there anything else you guys want to share you have any more questions matt
1: i got nothing
2: <laughs> well that's just what am i what can i say i think yeah um yeah, so if anyone is wondering uh qzopia.com I think it is www.qzopia.com should take you there. And if it doesn't, then add a forward slash and a Mike Quinn afterwards. And then that will definitely take you to the front page. So uh, we'll see. But anyway, that's where you can find that stuff. And otherwise sure. I'm got them on the social medias and, and all that. And otherwise, let's see, what can I finish up with? I mean, um, you know we're we're all waiting to see when we can go back to performing again we they because Lucasfilm wants to get back into production with Star Wars-y type things
1: mm-hmm. so
2: uh, when we're allowed that will happen um same with Muppets and the same with uh we we'll see if uh, I don't know yet what's happening with the season three of kidding um Theoretically, could have been beginning that next month had we been going into a third season with the, the Jim Carrey Showtime uh, series. Yeah. So uh, those were wonderful to do. So we'll see what and when you know, we can, we can uh, get back into, when it's safe to get back into production again. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm probably going to play it a bit on the safer side here uh, myself um, uh, just until I really know what's going on.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you have so your i numb mask that you could wear.
2: <laughs> that's, that's right. And that's, that, that definitely scares everyone away for sure. <laughs> so, uh, it, never mind, you're six feet, two meters or whatever. It's like six miles, you know, <laughs> so it's great. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to hide away. Uh, I'm going to keep busy and stay creative and keep pushing myself and, uh, uh, we need to keep looking out for each other um, and uh, use this time well uh, if you can. And if anyone is struggling, then uh, don't be afraid to reach out to, to friends and let them know. Because not everyone is, is doing okay in these uh, uh, weird times right now, financially especially. So, uh, you know, just look out for each other and don't be afraid to to uh speak to people uh if you need Uh, that's all i can say
0: indeed and you mentioned your social medias um do you what are the uh where the ways they could find you on there
2: so let's see i have uh, an instagram account which is just secrets of puppetry so which is named after my uh academy um so they can find me there secrets of puppetry and then otherwise um Mike Quinn official on Facebook would be the one that, uh, uh, the public one that people should go to Mike Quinn official Facebook. And then I think from there, I also have Mike Quinn autographs, but yeah, um, that's probably there. I believe that I do have a Twitter account, uh, that I don't really pay attention to Quinzone <laughs> studios or Quinzone studio. I think it is. Uh, but, uh, main thing is, uh, yeah, check out the, the website and, and the, uh, and, if they're on facebook uh, mike quinn official sign up and follow on that i think uh, and then if they fancy it the instagram i haven't done tiktok yet but uh yeah i, I haven't still,
0: ventured there myself uh, still trying that,
2: to figure that one out yeah
0: <laughs> I, I have enough trouble with instagram my, myself personally but uh, yeah yeah uh, uh yeah that's that, all that, good yeah <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for coming on.
1: I I, yeah, I really thanks, appreciate it. Yeah,
2: uh, definitely. That's been fun. I, I appreciate it too. It was, too. So it was a to, great
1: joy talking to you, sir.
2: Good. It's good to hear all your opinions and perspectives and thoughts and questions. Uh, you know, it, it it's it's nice that that uh, people care about this stuff, you know. That's that's sort of what I get from it. It's really good. And yeah, it's important, I, you know.
0: I mean, like like I said earlier, you, your your book of work is just um yeah, it, oh. it, it, the, the amount of things in, <laughs> in such inspiring films that you know, not just just, just not not it's not usually just another film. It, it these films have kind of stood the test of time and resonated with people in one way or the other. Between Muppet yeah. Caper or the Star Wars or like yeah, I said, yeah. Roger Rabbit for myself.
2: Yeah, Little Shop of Horrors. Some people. Are shop into. Of yeah.
0: Star Wars. Yeah. Dark Crystal.
2: Um, I don't feel I've done my biggest thing yet, which is funny, isn't it? I actually. Thing. i haven't quite got there yet there's like this other big thing that i you know that i can really say okay that was me you know i can i can die happy now so i i can't die yet because I'm, i haven't done my biggest thing so
0: <laughs> well we, we did we never wish that upon you though no Definitely. no uh, so yeah and thank you for taking the time out especially with the the technical guffaw of yeah
2: <laughs> Oh, that yes yes technology is okay. wonderful
0: this... when it works
2: it, it it is it is and there's always a way around it and we figured that out so thank you anyway so much i really appreciate it and i hope to see you all again at some point uh in the not too distant future and in person of course
0: oh that'd be wonderful that'd be you wonderful. look forward to it
2: yeah definitely thanks so much
0: thank you Take thank you care. cheers bye guys Thank you again to Mike Quinn and for Matt Leonard for joining in on this. Um, it's great talking to both. It's always a pleasure to talk to Matt and have Matt on the show. And Mike Quinn was fantastic. What a again, what a book of work that this gentleman has given us to that you know for us to enjoy um, the movies and the TV shows that he's been a part of. Uh, he could have gone on for hours and you know maybe we'll have them back someday what are some of you let's stick with the muppets i mean I, I was kind of more intending for star wars but let's stick with the muppets what's one of your more f- favorite like muppet moments um that you could think of that has brought a smile joy or um has an impact to your life let us know in the comments or uh, shout it out join the conversation on facebook facebook.com slash disney marvels podcast Join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Disney Marvels Podcast. Or even find us on Twitter at Disney Marvels. You can also email the show your answers or suggestions to Disneymarvels at gmail.com. You can leave a voice message through the Anchor app or website. Links to all these are in the show notes. I want to thank you for your time. I know how little time, how precious time is. Uh, some of us are stuck at home in we have unlimited time sitting around, not doing much, and others are stuck at home and have less time than we seem to normally do with family members and work or whatnot, uh, always occupying ourselves. So the fact that you took some of that time that you have or don't have and uh, spent it with me, it really means a lot. I really appreciate. It. I, I, I can't express how much, um, how much, the fact that we spend time together and we do even though we may not have met we are doing we are definitely spending time together how much that means to me it really means a lot to me personally Um, and i really appreciate it um if i could just ask you to do one last thing tell people about the show let people know you could either tell them in person you could share the shows out on social media or go onto itunes and leave a rating um you know, we, we've been doing great with the five-star ratings so far, five-star ratings across the board. You know, keep keep them coming. Keep them coming, because this actually helps people find the show that way, too. So if you don't want to tell people, you know, you just go online, quick quick rating on there, and uh, you'll know, let people know. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the show while you're at it. This way you always know when new episodes are posted and when they come out. But also consider becoming a premium subscriber to the show. You could do this over at anchor.fm/disneymarvel/support, or you could do this through our Patreon page. Links to both are in the show notes. Help keep the lights on. You know, get new equipment, keep uh keep things going. Um, you know, things aren't always free, unfortunately. Um, and just it helps to support the show, and I, we really appreciate it. And um, over on Patreon, you got some fun stuff too if you uh become a subscriber that way remember this show is brought to you by listeners like you whatever you're facing out there no matter how dark how difficult how how heavy a situation may seem at this moment don't give up don't give up on yourself look deep within yourself you will find a strength you will find a light grab hold of that light embrace it for you too are amazing you are worth it And you are your own hero. Be your own hero. And you can accomplish great things. Accomplish wonderful things. You're beautiful. Believe in yourself. I believe in you. Never give up. Never get in. Give in. Now I end this show with a quote from Walt Disney himself. Of all our inventions for mass communications... Pictures still speak the most universal and understood language. That's from Walt Disney. Thank you again for listening, everybody. And I'll see you next time.